0: Welcome to the Brother 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 Podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with both of my brothers, Christian Lewis and Jeremy Sartori. Uh, It is a rare feat, but we have accomplished it. And um, it's that the three of us are on because uh, the release we're going to talk about is um, deserving of a full blooded, full throated Brother 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 Podcast. It is uh, one of the great albums of all time, as far as I'm concerned one of my absolute favorite records, one of our absolute favorite records, and it has been long the source of, of some uh, unspoken pain or or actually fairly well-articulated pain that the great songs of The Replacement's album, Tim, receive such shoddy treatment um, in engineering and producing, and they have taken a step to remedy this. Uh, Ed Stasium has remixed... The album to where it was meant to have originally been. It sort of um, all the rough edges and and mistakes that were sort of uh, buffed out of of the original recording of Tim are uh, back, and as are um, things such as backing vocals and uh, bass and drums and <laughs> on actual microphones. So um, <clears throat> this came out yesterday this came out uh 38 years post uh the original release of Tim and uh Jer I know you took a listen to it I have listened to it probably five times already um and Christian uh you are a fan of the record as well so uh Jer thoughts
1: yeah no it's, it's a it's kind of like a, a Christmas present you know in in September it's uh i too kind of like love this album. I remember buying the tape at like you know probably the Hanover Mall or something, and and just you know when you when you kind of get into a band and and they um, you let it be was a, a big album for me, and then hearing that like the next one after that is just as good but there was something you know very kind of like muddled about it and and the songs are some of the best but also that like you said the production always kind of turned me off a little bit and also an album that like I I tended to kind of shy away from in in conversation when I was trying to like turn somebody on to the replacements or something just because it's great but it just sounds very fucking mid 80s and, and mid 80s production was horrendous so I also listened to it like 80 times yesterday because I just, I love this album anyways and the songs are so good that they overcame that originally. But um, but yeah, it's like listening to it for the first time again and, and uh, just a cool project in general. I, I, when I know you know more of the background and Christian, I'll throw to you to talk about it. Tim a little bit. I mean, I think you haven't taken a listen yet, but um, but it's it's just an interesting project to go back and kind of like rework an album. Based on like old tapes and stuff like that, and, and it's it's pretty cool and and uh, and I think pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what what I really wanted to talk about today, and and Wyndham, you alluded to this, but is really the fact that I'm I, so I haven't listened to the new recording. I, I remember um, I think Rhino put out uh, one re-release of this in like the 2000s or something, and I think, I think that's it was actually 08. the one that like I'm probably most familiar with. Yeah, and it did, it didn't really change much, right? Like it was effectively it was sort of a, a digital mastering mm-hmm. or something along like it was sort of bringing it into a new format, preparing it for for streaming and and um uh and your iPod, um but not necessarily doing uh doing a lot of work to the production. Um and you know, I'm like to, part of the band's mystique like Part of this band lives on these records right and it's like they they were uh, unbelievable fuck-ups um and you know uh if if they're listening um feel free to write into the podcast we would be happy to we would be happy to bring you guys on um but like you know that it it was that was sort of the the character of, of who these people were and and like they were um you know but incredibly earnest in a way like a little bit petulant a little bit bratty um but, like, part of what was, what was so uh, you know, incredible about this was, was like the, the making of the album was part of the story of the band for me. And so um, the fact that they, you know, signed with uh, a major label, um, got Tommy Ramon in to, to record this thing, or to produce this thing, and then, like, showed up with damaged equipment and <laughs> said, We're going to throw it down live, um, and then walked out uh, is, is, like, legendary. And so, you know, this is, it's like the only living relic of this. And I guess my question is, like, I don't know, like, do you, what happens if, like, you get a mint condition, like, laminated version of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Like, is that really something, like, is, does it have the same kind of character and, and like, legend around it's
0: it? It's different. Um, I think part of the legend was the sort of misappropriation of the music. Um, it's part of the mythology. It's part of, you know, the lovable loser persona that the replacements have always sort of carried with them and it's you know it, you know they should have been you know should have been the greatest band that should have been you know that the uh you know all the missed opportunities all the um you know the sort of uh, self-sabotage you know showing up at gigs wasted even though they were a great live band on half the nights they were a shit live band yeah, playing pad aerosmith
1: um, covers and <laughs> you know.
0: yeah i mean i've seen them i've seen the pussy set. Um, you know, I've seen every, you know, I, I saw them. We'll go back to that so people you know what that is if <laughs> yeah, they don't already. They would just but... come on and like self sabotage. I mean, they would sing like a Frank Sinatra yeah. cover or, a, you know, they'd do King of the Road or. Um, you know, Bad, or badly, like Yeah. <laughs> but I, I saw them do like, you know, I remember in Providence one time in the mid 80s seeing them play like you know, Iron Man, or, you know, basically half of a song. Bob Stinson's in a 2-2. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, they were, I saw them at the bar before the show. They were absolutely hammered. So, so fucked up, they're not really standing. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Probably hammered enough to use the bathroom at the living room in Providence. Um, <laughs> but... Can,
2: can I, uh, so can I ask you guys a couple of questions to, like, frame the, like, where we are in the, trend, like, in the, in the life sure. of the replacements here? Um, so... This is their
0: first major label, correct? Record, right? Yeah. Yes, Michael so Hill. Order, what was the order? It was so. <clears throat> this, um, ma, take out the. trash. The order is, out the tra- sorry, ma, forgot to take out the trash. Stink, hoot, nanny. Let it be. Let it be is the one that where everybody's like, "Ooh, this guy can write songs." Let it be. They got the number um, one record in Village Voice,
1: and that was like, a yeah, new, yeah. New yeah. Also,
0: talk about
2: that. That's when you like step up and point to like you know left field um,
0: and name your album, Let It Be. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like, and that's that and they, you're they, like. Well, that, that's oh, this is ju- going to be really fucking good. <laughs> that's <laughs> the joke really on this one, good. is is <laughs> that they wanted to call this one Let It Bleed. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, when they weren't allowed to, they called it Tim, which is the <laughs> most nondescript. <laughs> but this is actually, I don't know if you've know, seen the re-release, Christian, but the uh, this is called Tim, the uh, Let It Bleed um, edition. Edition, yeah. And... It is, uh, you know, they wanted to call this one Let It Bleed, and I think they were going to call the next one Pet Sounds. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, so it's... Like most things, they they were... were... They were aborted.
2: Yeah. So this was... So the earlier ones were on what record label? They They were were all Twin twin Tone. tone. Yeah, Minneapolis, which which is is like indie label.
0: Peter Jesperson, uh, who owned a record store in Minneapolis and was a champion, the champion of the replacements, Uh, he was also their manager. And he recorded uh, the first several albums on Twin Tone, and they were, you know, largely recorded live, and they sound like the replacements. They sound raw and, you know, energetic. Think you forgot two of the
2: jobs in in his uh, in his description, which include custodian and um, uh, probation officer. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) like Uh, he was everything to them bail bondsman. Yeah, yeah,
0: and then Michael Hill who. Uh, <clears throat> all of whom uh, were on our 100th episode. Um, they, uh, Michael Hill signs them to Warner Brothers, i.e., Sire Records. And um, Tim is the first album they put out. They hired, they started the sessions with Alex Chilton as a producer, who was Paul Westerberg's idol. And then um, Tommy Erle, uh, who was doing a lot of production for. Um, sire at the time uh stepped in to uh record this one to produce this one and like i said it's it's always sounded like it was recorded in a walk-in freezer like a block away from where you're listening to it it's always had this remote and sort of it's an album you can't get loud weirdly like yeah it's it's, it's poorly mastered it's poorly you know, it just sounds like it was recorded in a in a clean room in a biotech or something, but not that those what's, exist. You know,
1: yeah. What's weird is like, yeah. I mean, it, there's two things you were saying. Like the time of the, what time of period is this for the replacements? But like also, I, I throw it to today. Like, so Bob Mir, who you mentioned when his uh, was on our hundredth episode, I don't know if you mentioned him or not, but wrote Trouble Boys and is kind of like taking over their their sort of legacy. And and I think like weirdly. Tim was like the major label debut. They did want DD Ramone and then that didn't happen cuz he was like something happened there. But um <clears throat> they end up recording it and the story that I kind of heard recently from Bob Meer talking was that it was just like they were kind of like they sort of always had the bravado of like, you know, being fucked up and not caring, but at the same time, Rats. we're kind of frightened. I mean, these guys were like young 20s and they'd signed a major label and they just kind of were like, okay, you know, when Tim came out. And it just never quite sounded right. And the sequencing well, is weird you know, too. They,
0: you know, they, you know, someone in the ranks, I, I assume um, Michael Hill or someone, you know, got them their sort of big break, which was, or, or at least their national exposure. You know, they opened some really big tours for people like Tom Petty, and, um, but, you know, their big exposure was to, uh, was to be on Saturday Night Live. That was their first national TV appearance. And, you know, they, you know, re, according to Trouble Boys, The Recounting in Trouble Boys, which is an incredible book, probably our favorite, or at least my favorite rock and roll book of all time. Um, they, you know, did the sound check. sounded great. Went out in New York, got shit faced, and or went back to their dressing room, got shit faced, and came out for the the performance, which actually isn't terrible. It's no, not but, that but didn't bad. they swear? They got the right amount of shit faced. Wasn't there <laughs> something? Yeah, that they, he did. They said fuck in the yeah, middle of it, that's uh, right. and it's a live show, yeah. and it made it to the air, so they were banned for life. And Laura, um, Michael, yeah, we're nuts. It became. I was going to say,
2: how did yeah. Lorne Michael, not the most tolerant uh, of executive producers. As, by the way, one isn't when you have to make a live show every Saturday night for NBC. No, it's it's, it's taxing. It's a a tough
0: one. And, you know, you can see it in that performance. I mean, they changed. uh, They all traded clothes and, you know, Bob Stinson (laughs) looks like a lunatic (laughs) um, as usual. And, uh, you know, they, but, you know, it wasn't terrible. Um, it wasn't a terrible performance, but they did say fuck on the way out. And that, you know, again, it, in 1986, that, you know, that doesn't seem like such a massive transgression now. But in 1986, that was a huge deal. And it was, again, it, it all is a piece of, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, I guess biography. I, I keep saying mythology, but it's not mythology. It's the truth. It's, um, you know, they went out got their big break and, and shot it it up. Yeah. I mean,
1: what's weird too, for this band is like, you have kind of two, two camps too. And, and I think like, it's kind of funny. I mean, point of our pod, right. The different generations, but you know, when you were like very much implanted in this music, it was your sort of like, uh, you know, like Interpol to Christian or like, you know, yeah, then pavement for me or something, you know, and, and then, but generationally, like I think people who get into punk rock or whatever, you always get sort of reference to the replacements, right? And the replacements are, are you know, they start off kind of bratty, snotty. I mean, it's it's good rock and roll, punk music, fast, whatever. And then Let It Be and Hoot Nanny kind of transition into this. You see, Paul Westerberg's like just kind of really brilliant songwriting, in my opinion. Like, yeah, kind of flow through. I mean, Androgynous in 1984 is a fucking crazy song. I mean, that song's more mm-hmm. you know relevant today than ever, or, you know, or let, you know, I will dare, stuff like that. Tim is the album where actually like they just stepped over that line. Like there was no more boner songs, you know? And it was, I mean, there's rock and roll songs and there's kind of dumb rock and roll songs on it that are fun, but like, it's, it's pretty straightforward songwriting on this album, Mm -hmm. which is, um, yeah. And it's, so I think there was like a lot of, I mean, and when you could probably speak to this more, like almost probably a a faction that would abandon the band at the same time that this came out. Right. This is the major label fear that you have when you love an underground band and they come out even though this album is you know for generations later like mine an album that like you know really speaks more to me than those early and then that early stuff and
0: to me I mean in that, in that era Sire was as reliable a source of yeah, music as anybody and, I mean yeah, yeah. I, I trusted Sire records to put out great stuff Ramon, Smiths um, weirdly Madonna um, Talking Heads uh, Echo and the Bunnymen um, Depeche Mode, you know, this, they were, they were the cool kids with money. Um, you know, Seymour Stein's label and, um, you know, and it, it's a little back. like they, they
2: did the precursor to, you know, the, the, in the same way that like what's been called like the Brooklynization of indie rock or whatever in like the early 2000s where all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's indie aesthetic. It's, it's, you know, but it's, it's cool. It's just, it's huge. And like yeah. Sire did that in the eighties. Yeah, um, it,
0: it was a big deal, and it was um, it was meaning you know it was important because you you know you were buying things uh, without hearing them. This wasn't getting radio play until you found your local college radio station. It was not being played on on commercial radio, so you you kind of you know it was important that you trusted in a label or, or you had some you know brand affinity. Um, there was because one. It sort of guided so, you. But there's
1: also one major difference than that early 2000 period. Um, these bands, like at that time, Sire want—I mean, they were wanting to make the next uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: absolutely, it, yeah, was, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't like <laughs> uh, this is a
1: cool yeah, no. sound that like people are going. back. you know, it was kind of like they, they the replacements were a heart. You know what they wanted to be a Heartland kind of rock band, and they are. No, but well, at the same well, time, that's
0: the thing too is by, by virtue of being Midwestern and, you know, there was a lot, you were a lot more isolated culturally uh, by your region back then. I mean, they, you know, obviously they came out of the same town as Prince and Husker Du, but, um, uh, you know, which made it the coolest place in the world for, for a little bit. But, um, you know, their their cultural references growing up, you know, our Black Sabbath, Kiss, the Cars. um uh, <laughs> you know it's it's yeah. you know midwestern fm radio and probably like all the a lot people of i know who FM like radio. kiss
2: and are willing to go on the record about it um consist of like the replacements and uh chuck Klosterman. <laughs> so basically like 100% of kiss fans that yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Are uh, from the well, northern midwest the people that, like Draw a one guy that i know he's uh, also
1: from nebraska so <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it. it, it yeah. You know you you can you can see it. I mean, and that's and that's part this of is, the. This is
2: coastal elitism, by the way. Like at its at 100%, its. Like, are we are like, we are, we, are pod save kids. America right now? Should we stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So what I was saying about the marquee moon, um, <laughs> but you know they they were listening to and and it was Jesperson who famously sort of turned them on to Big Star. Um, he was like, oh I yeah. think you guys would like this and it became an obsession. And they really what was his what was his record store called? Or I it's folk something Jokupus? Norwegian. <laughs> no, it's or folk Jokopus. Yeah. It's <laughs> something weird Norwegian. Can I give you guys just loud.
1: a, a sidetrack story because it's kinda just Please. amazing? But it's on Big Star and Jefferson. And uh, he basically had gotten I forget how he got that album, but it was in like a used bin or something oh. crazy. And, no, he, he got it from a pen
0: pal. Oh, that's no, right, a, sent pen, it to a
1: pen. Yeah, and it was the name of the band or something that like it was that random. It was just like um somebody had asked him about something, and he like they were talking about Big Star. He's like, "That's a cool name." And the guy sent him the record, and that's how he heard Big Star because it was like nowhere to be found. And and then you know, hence Paul westerberg It's just one of those weird like that I have no reason to believe isn't true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you would no seriously. What if it didn't happen?
2: Like, <laughs> then, you know, you, if Alex Chilton doesn't like make it to the ears of Paul Westerfeld, like Westerberg, excuse me, um, like, what do you do? No, nah, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, like, do we just not know this man? I I can't imagine. I think it'd be but pretty. Like, you know, yeah, because I think
1: he actually turned like Peter Buck on and stuff like that too, which is like, yeah, you know, crazy. I, I
0: think it changed. Like, it changed. You know, indie rock in America—it yeah. was sort of a you know Paul Revere moment. Um, it's it's just you know it's remarkable how how these little you know ripples and you know it's the butterfly effect so to speak. But um, it the you know I mean I, I was thinking back again anecdotally personally to when I was listening to this album nonstop in 1985. I was driving Grandma's old Chevy Chevette, <laughs> yellow. I was delivering pizzas and listening to this. Smoking. There was no tape deck in the in the thing, so I had like my boombox in the back seat blasting this album. And even then, like in on a shitty sound system in a you know '79 Chevette, I was like, "There's something wrong with this production," (laughs) Um, you know. And I this is you know this is like f15. You you don't really even have the vocabulary to articulate what you think is amiss with, with something like that. I don't, you know, I'm a massive music fan at that point, but, you know, I know this doesn't sound as good as my New Order record and my Echo and the Bunnyman record and, you know, um, or anything. It's just like, and I said the same thing about Husker Du when they first came out. I'm like, why do the drums sound so tinny? And, it's, um, you know, it's explained pretty well in the Ed Stasium, a Bob Mayer interview, a video that I sent you guys. Um, it's, you know, he, Stasium, and I won't even pretend to have the knowledge to, to properly quote this, but he's like, they didn't use room mics or, you know, or they only used room mics. I can't remember which one it is, but it's like, <laughs> they didn't mic up the instruments. It's like, it, it was like, you know, uh. Um, uh, what, what malpractice? Almost musical malpractice.
1: Well, let's let's do this. Let's hear what song do you think win? Like on the bus, <clears throat> "Kiss Me on the Bus" or "Hold My Life" or something. Just let's have Damien play like a clip of both, and and then come back because I want to talk about okay. the Bob Muir project because this is his third sort of unleashing of the mats, which I I knew. Um, is it Dead Man's? Uh, the whatever the what the hell was their last album that was like everybody hated. But I kind of like.
0: All shook It was all shook down and and um don't t- don't tell. Don't
1: soul. tell soul. Yeah, and he did the don't tell soul project and the pleased to meet me one. So um, do you, what do you think the best song is? The opening track, hold my life. To just kind of yeah, get sure. a taste. I do hold
2: my life. All right. Cool.
1: to the brother 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 pod um thanks damon there's like kind of a taste of the difference you can hear from a, a song that i always like that i think that opening track is so off kilter and, and so good but just kind of again was like i couldn't even make out the lyrics until i heard the new version and the lyrics are great as usual but i know these guys have rhino and, and bob mirror have really partnered to to you know go back and, and kind of re re-earth a lot of this stuff and and uh, the Replacements are a funny band to me because it, it's like, a, I mean, they're, you know, kind of a classic rock band at this point, right? But they've had, they just, you know, they kind of grab a certain, you know, certain fans and obviously we're three of them and you be, they become rabid and, and people just, you know, can't get enough of these kind of things. And my um, came to the band, you know, with Don't Tell a Soul, which is probably... Arguably one of their worst albums, and um, but I just knew that that band had something. Like they were different. And then you know when you when I kind of told you I like that album, you you kind of got goofy and, and excited and, and turned me on to the earlier stuff as a kid. And. Um, you know, I know Bob Muir did uh, Dead Man's Pop recently, which for me was, you know, I, again, I, I don't stand by that album as a, in terms of Replacements Lord. like you should listen to it. But it is an album I like because I, I just came to it first and it really changed that album. Like, oh, this is what this should have sounded like, too. So with Tim, like what what access is the band given them? And, and like and when I'm kind of asking here, do you know, or Christian, but like. It sounds like he sort of controls their their um, catalog at this point, or, or not maybe not controls the right word, but like has access. I to
0: think it. he's shepherding it certainly yeah. into the best possible place. I think, you know, it, it was um, it's you know it's a quote in his book that um, you know the amusing somewhere along the line between Tommy Stinson and Paul Westerberg saying that they had wished that Ed Stasium had produced um, Tim. And uh, I don't know whether he was um, considered. I know, obviously, we mentioned earlier that Alex Chilton was the original uh, producer brought in and then Tommy Ramone later. But um, he certainly, Ed Stasium certainly understands what it should have sounded like, because this is the album that in a weird way, it's hard to even uh, really uh, verbalize this, but it's sort of the album that I always heard in spite of the album i actually heard i think you're um, 100% correct
1: cuz it's uh it's like an album that the songs are so good they they actually overcome Transcend. the shit production <laughs> and yeah. and like it's that's hard to do you know like and cuz there's nothing i mean the coolest thing about the replacements to me is they're remarkable but there's nothing remarkable about them you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. they're it, it's kind of straight ahead rock Music. Some of its, parts. it's yeah, but there's something about the delivery, the lyrics, the like changes that are off kilter enough that make them like really unique um, at the well, same time. And this you can the, actually you know, hear.
0: The, I think you know it goes without saying that it's the strength of Paul Westerberg's songwriting that that really makes them a transcendent band. But there was also a quality in his voice that was very emotive and very, um, you know desperate and it, it sort of matched uh the lyrical content. It sort of matches every teenager's, you know, level of angst and it, it really spoke to you. But I yeah, think Yeah that didn't in happen in one, his solo career which is interesting, you know, like a guy who was yeah, so good his solo I think it was again bad. some of some of their parts. It's it's um you know it's Tommy Stinson, it's uh Chris Mars, it's uh to a degree Bob. Um, even though he's fairly absent from this album, I think he only came in and did overdubs. But um, it's it's really Westerberg's, um, you know, sort of singing from the perspective of a teenage boy that that sells it. And it's but it's a highly articulate teenage boy, and on uh, songs like you know 16 Blue" off of uh, off of uh, "Let It Be," or um, you know. Uh, here, you know, left the dial, or um, even kiss me on the bus, which is, you know, in, in retrospect, a very, very funny song. Um, but uh, if you know, if you knew how I felt, you wouldn't act so adult. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great line. Um, but it's it here you get to hear the quality of his voice that makes them special. It's like it, it didn't clean up his voice. It exposed his voice for how flawed and great it is. It's, um, you know, it's like somebody, like I said, it's like somebody left the sandpaper alone and let, and, you know, let the flaws make the song. Um,
1: well, I'd say too, Christian, you're, you're like, when you, sorry, when, I didn't mean to cut you off, where you have another, no, no, uh, please. yeah, when you, when you listen to it, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have, you think, because instruments to sound different on this one like it's it's a that album I, like Tommy Stinson I, I love bass guitar and Tommy Stinson's like a, he's a really good bass player and like you can hear the bass picking on that on the songs or you can hear a piano flourish that you couldn't hear before or like a backup vocal yeah. like you said and it's cool and it doesn't over it's not like oh man this is a totally different song it's just like oh this song just sounds like a it's band all the right
2: playing it. accents yeah. that it was supposed to. Um, well let me let me ask you this like I, I guess, and this is sort of a like a slight a slightly like philosophical question which obviously um, people love uh, on on music discussion podcasts. but like so what what I'm hearing is is that you know for for people who just devour like the replacement stuff, right um as as we all do here, um, this is gonna be uh, a a new like it's just a new way to listen, right? It's a mm-hmm. new, um, you're hearing all the instruments for the first time, you're hearing, you know, as you say, like background vocals for the first time. Um, it doesn't necessarily reflect their intent. Um, I mean, also the replacements are been band who have like famously impossible to discern intent. Um, so, you know, and, and maybe, uh, maybe that's not the best, um, the best sort of like you know benchmark or whatever to think about like their their sort of contribution to to music is like through what they intended to do because like half the time they like were trying to figure out you know where they can get a drink in the next 10 minutes um and and like obviously though there's you know a, a much bigger um uh, a much bigger like canon here does this replace the original album as like the definitive album of record or is like the original
0: album (laughs) still the one
1: i would say
0: (laughs) yeah it's weird like i don't see myself listening to the original album anymore
1: i kind of am with you on that and uh yeah i think you're right and i think the funny thing is i your your 10 questions actually pretty funny or smart like but it's also like i i was listening to bob mirror on this and it's almost like the band, like, yeah, they didn't really. It's like they care. I almost feel like this was their. you you get the sense this was their intent, but they can't be bothered, you know what I mean? It's like, they're just fucking
2: like, or, or they can't help from yeah. So
1: other people, which is
2: what it sounded like. Well,
1: yeah, like. it's like people like Jefferson or, or mere like you. It's almost like this band has always had like a nanny or somebody like you know uh, somebody who just loves Baby them sitter, so much, yeah. yeah, more than they could ever love themselves. So like I'm gonna clean this up for you because this is fucking brilliant. But like you guys so, so, are so, you, so then so, it's like so,
0: I said, okay, so, so, I talked to those guys. I talked to those guys a couple this, years yeah, ago, I'm, and and it's the love is still there it's not like uh, of course they
2: they so but it's like it's a it so the, what i was what the follow up to this is this is a band of whom you could say it takes a village to to make like a really killer <laughs> indie rock album apparently um, because they couldn't like left to their own devices you would have half the songs they would be half the quality and you know like but what they were able to do was inspire like just they had this like completely um captivating like like personality and character and and um you know they they have real devotees it's really They're alex like, child ask like, if you think
1: about it you know
2: yeah they have people who truly love them in a way that that like I, you just don't find in every band um, no it's like, devotional yeah, R, right rem probably has this fan base somewhere but like not like the mads
1: yeah like and (laughs) yeah i mean there's people that Um, love i mean i love early orient there's they're
0: more guided by voices than than you too you know what i mean and and it's almost like
2: the fan base itself right like that there's like an this interactive component of this where like the it's the fans and the community around this band that have actually like
0: helped build this the record yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing that here's the here I think is the the point that I think you will that will sort of at least elucidate a little bit what what's gone on here is that none of this is new material. Yeah. Ed Stasium went in and played with the tracks that existed. It wasn't um you know there isn't any new recording. There's no new music included in this. Okay,
2: but counterpoint would be like i guess and and this is my fault for not really understanding the technology well enough i guess but like is it uh i mean you think about like what we've heard recently that obviously ai fills weren't being used and stuff but like i don't know you could auto-tune over something and like yeah. change so is, it, it it doesn't need to be new music to to have new music what well, isn't onto it, if that, that's
0: the that's the funny thing is it's like it's the absolute opposite of auto-tuning. He just brought to the fore what was already there that was muted yeah. by bad technology in 1985. He almost just basically so, stripped off like, a
1: layer of just like.
0: Yeah, it's like taking. It's truly like um, addition by subtraction. Yeah,
1: it's it's wild. You actually and on this, and this is total nerddom, but like, there's also um, because like that song like Can't Hardly Wait, which ended up on. Pleased to Meet Me was pleased being me. worked out on this. So there's like a bunch of versions, you know, they have the album straightforward. Yeah. So all the Anastasian mixes are straight, the album start to finish and it's, it's brilliant. I mean, Gwynn sent over today. I know Pitchfork just gave it a 10, but like it is a 10 album anyways, but it always had to be like a, you know, 9.5 or 8 because of like, yeah. yeah, the sound. And then like, but they are, you can hear like early versions of working out. And I, I, there's very few bands that I can tolerate that shit for, and I'm not gonna like listen to the, you know, early versions of songs over and over again. But you do get like kind of a cool look into like they had a tune, they had a couple of lyrics for it, and they just sort of were working it out, and it's kind of like just throwing dumb lyrics in before the song became something, and you know what that song becomes, and it's, it's kind of cool. But on ironically, this... sorry, good,
0: yeah. It... I was gonna say, ironically, it's sort of like watching the Let It Be documentary, right? Maybe. Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say the the Beatles are the only band for whom I can tolerate
2: this kind of like. Yeah, the Beatles <laughs> and like, still, and a
1: song like I can't hardly wait. You know what I mean? Which is like that; those are very few that I can do. But I think the cool, the like, nice thing about this, yeah, is like what Wynn said. It's it's basically like this is the recording, and then we produced it. You know, over mixed it over top, and it's like taking away that mix, and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. the song is like there. There was a fucking like yeah. killer song yeah, under there that is a, the whole time.
0: Yeah, there is. You know, um, there. It's like those you know stories about when they you know somebody buys a painting at the uh, at the goodwill and and you know finds out there's a Vermeer underneath it. <laughs> um you know
1: would you say like, uh, good what i was gonna say and i'm interested again in christian when you do listen to it when for me like i found the songs that i love were better but the yeah. songs i didn't love were where i heard it i'm like oh shit we're way like, better yeah one dose of thunder is like a pretty cool song like or you know yeah. those are that, that's where you and even you know and i, I do like kiss me on the bus but like shit like that sounded a lot better like bastards of young is a great song sounds good sounds better but it's like still you know it didn't really it it wasn't like oh my god this is a new song but the it's the ones that kind of i was like wanted to skip were the ones that
0: yeah well think about it bastards of young this is part of the sabotage you know self-sabotage or mismanagement whichever it is um you know uh so bastards of young Little Mascara and, and um, Left of the Dial are the songs that everybody remembers off this. Um, you know, they get radio play to date. And Kiss Me on the Bus was the single, which, you know, is a it's forgivable a good, sin. I yeah, love that song. I think it's all. But, but think about it. Like, they were dicking around with Can't Hardly Wait. If that was the lead single off this album, how much of a hit would this album have been?
1: Yeah, I mean, and they had another chance to make that the lead single and didn't again. So
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, no, I mean, uh, totally. And "Bastards of Young" is a great single, but you know, and Christian, you probably it's not even a single. Yeah, uh, they did, actually did have a video for it. Remember? No, they
0: did. You're right. They, but the, they, they chose the to have the where...
1: video of a fucking speaker vibrating in a, in a hand holding a cigarette by an ashtray. That was the entire video. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's like okay.
0: Well, it's hard to it's hard to make a video after you wrote a song called "Senior Video." Yeah.
2: No, I know. Well, and they were they were like so disdainful of like MTV and what it was going to do to to music, right? Yeah, a lot um, of people were. I mean, I, I remember that from. Uh, yeah, I know, I just I remember that from from Trouble Boys that like, mm-hmm. you know, the, they were they were not going to be willing participants in in uh, in that. Like, when they weren't, the Pixies format. did the
0: same thing with. Um, here comes um, Your man. Valoria. Yeah, running. Oh no, running. and here come, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where they're just climbing on rocks and then and not. And, you know, but I mean, again, the replacements were a much uh, more presentable visual than the Pixies, probably. And, and you know, I mean, Tommy Stinson could have been a rock star.
1: I mean, the replacements were, they're, they sort of straddle an era, too. I mean, the, as much as the Pixies kind of hit that late 80s, I guess they are kind of similar. And the Pixies are just fucking weird. They're aliens. But, like, if you think mm-hmm. about it, the replacements really were going to be, like, you know there was a a famous quote from like john bon Jovi right that was like you know, they're like, "What do you think about the you know Critics Award and the Replacements being the number one band?" He's like, "I've never fucking heard of them. I'm bon jo- I'm John Bon Jovi, we're Bon Jovi." You know, like, <laughs> and, <laughs> like <laughs> and weirdly, I
0: think Bon Jovi's uncle might have, might have worked on this album. That's funny. Um, but yeah,
1: I mean, that's that was the era we Tony were bon in, though, and in the Replacements, like, in record labels, were very much trying to make them like that was Stars. the goal. Yeah, and I think that's the other but, thing people but, miss, though, is, is and I, at Westerberg, you know, I actually there's a good um, let it be making of the album on that podcast, um, or on the podcast, making of the album. And uh, and has, a, you know, interviews with Westerberg, it, you know, in 86 or whatever. And he's like, I just can't. He's like, I try. He's like, I try to write, you know, a fucking happy or love song. And he's like, but I just, I can't do it. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and there's like that melancholy What's that you hear throughout his stuff that's really good.
0: It's like that quote from uh, Tina Fey that I always liked, which is, you know, 30 Rock was her trying to write Home Improvement. Um, you know, it's like when a smart, when a smart creative person tries to write a, a, um, you know, a pop, a love song, pop love song, it, it comes out twisted. That little mascara. that's what we love about it. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, you know, that's some brilliant stuff. And then, you know, I mean, Here Comes a Regular was always a song I liked, but, you know, it's gotten much better on this. It's, oh,
1: it's, um, I was actually going to, text that today like it's i love that song i think it's just a fucking great song but it's because of the writing and the general like feel of it but on this it's like whoa like this is a fuck. this like when you say hit like to this me heartbreaking yeah it's heartbreaking it's also like i mean neil young-esque in terms of like it's classic rock it's so well done on this it sounds so different mm-hmm. and it's little shit like flourishes a piano and stuff that you just never were able to hear
0: yeah no i'm curious for Christian's opinion on on when he hears this, because he hasn't listened to Tim a um, hundred million times, uh, and I don't know if you if it's even an album that you've listened to. All yeah, that what much are your kind like, of what
1: is your take on the catalog, Christian? I'm curious as well. Like, what are in your terms albums? Of my, yeah, for replacements.
2: It's probably "Let It Be" is is my favorite, and and has been like essentially from the start. I, I've always. Like I've listened to, I mean, if I go to put one on, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, you know, and have listened to that hundreds of times, um, probably end to end in the, I don't know, like high dozens, low uh, like for for tim um i know it uh but i wasn't like banished to an island with that and only that for three years at one point in my life like mm-hmm. there was just never a time where I, like that it was all i listened to um it's got some of my favorite songs for sure um you know i think uh as far as like I, you know their most well-known song has got to be bastards of
0: young right um like it's it's, it's the, the most the covered gets, song in brooklyn I know that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Have we ever gone to see anybody in Brooklyn who doesn't cover that <laughs> song? It's like, a, it's like a Pat, right?
2: Well, maybe that's just my own, like, yeah, maybe that's that's sort of my own, um, uh, I guess, like... It's
1: become their genre, anthem. You want to call I it. mean, it's like, an anthem. Yeah, it's,
2: it's the one that I rate, right, because, like, they're lovable fuck-ups, and that's a song about being a lovable fuck-up. Um, like, it, I, I think, you know, Swing and Party and... and um, actually it's funny like we've talked about kiss me on the bus as both uh a song we love here and then also one that like you know kind of didn't get the the attention deserved early on like that was always one of my favorites on this album just because it's like silly and weird and kind of uh like it's just such a strange, relatable image. yeah pop song um well i wouldn't say relatable um but <laughs> like uh i've i've you know, um, but then uh, I think also Left of the Dial has always been one of my favorites. Yeah, and great. and like it has, you know, I think that's that captures like this sort of iconic era of indie college rock. Well, kind of lent its name to that. Yeah, I don't know whether it was intended to do that at the time, obviously. Um, I, I know like the whatever like history that I understand about this was that college radio stations like um are all typically in like the they're the public radio stations between like eighty seven and ninety one on the dial, right? Correct. Yeah, so you get like um I don't what are those what are those numbers, by the way?
0: <laughs> like <laughs> you got when, it. why are those so, <laughs> They're low low frequency, low wattage um so, you know stations if idea. you were. So they don't project. Right yeah, far. they don't go far, no. yeah. Nope, so, so in does fact the number in does the, 1983 does the size of the number
2: correspond to the number of on the dial more or less i, I mean no it doesn't exactly
0: but it, uh, it's not it, ancient history man. <laughs> but no those are the those are the low low wattage low frequency i mean you know i had we had a, a, a radio station in high school that had like a 5 mile radius you know what i mean um, 0.05 and, um yeah i mean 1980 1980, and for anybody I, under forty, is that a lot? <laughs> a <little>. No, no, <laughs> it, because there's five, you know, there's fifty thousand watt stations that brag about being fifty thousand watt stations. I mean, that's HFS or whatever it is down in DC, and um, you know, BCN in Boston, which <laughs> yeah. closed in 2012, didn't? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Um, <laughs> good. good riddance. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know. HFS was good. DC 101 was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah and, and it's still around I, I listened to god when i was a kid in, in like virginia in the 70s i listened to howard stern on dc 101
1: um <laughs> well, well one um, thing though that i think that and i don't know christian when you do listen to it um what you said with like let it be totally makes sense i mean you can't go to the replacements i think and even for me to be honest like post having kind of lived through them and i i Definitely was like you know I tried to get mom or mom when to let it, me go to the I think it was I forget who they were opening for it might have been Tom Petty actually or somebody like that but um back oh no it was, it was the replacements actually playing I think the Pixies were opening for them or something in, in Boston I couldn't go but um yeah. but it was like you know I was there for the end which was not good you know the, the, those albums aren't that good but um but it, I think like Let It Be is the album that you know if you went and found their catalog and you like the type of music we do or you like, you know, good music, that's the one that, it sounds the best and it's the best album to put on for anybody who doesn't know them that well. It's the, it's the... It has a great
0: opener. It has the fucking yeah.
1: awesome opener, <laughs> has some of their best songs too. And I always felt like... Though secretly Tim was my favorite, <laughs> like start mm-hmm. to finish. But I, it's not ever the album that I would say like oh even. Please to meet me is like a pretty rocking record compared to Tim, and um, it, not in terms of like they're both rocking, but just quality. Like please to meet me sound like I O U sounds great, you know, still to me, and songs like that, and and so it's um. But you have these gems, like you said, like Bastards of Young left the dial, like two of their best songs ever written. And I think what's cool is this now, to me, sounds as good as Let It Be, which is neat. And mm-hmm. it's it, to me, it actually is a better album,
2: you know?
0: Yeah, I would you know, agree.
2: I think there are a couple things that probably, like, drew me into Let It Be. The certain, Like, look, it's good branding. The, the name probably did, right? It's, it's, like, it's one you know, so when you're 15, you're like, wait a second, why is this called? Let cool Let album
1: like, cover. Um,
2: great yeah. album cover, I agree. Um, I think, like, for, you know not knowing that Black Diamond was a Kiss song Um, (laughs) and like because why the fuck would I Um, I, it's like you know they had these they had these like loose like super kinetic like rock and roll songs and then they cut to something that's like so uh, earnest and and, like wrenching beautiful as androgynous right Um, and like you knew where I was going with that but like that's such a great mid record song
0: yeah it's a curveball
2: And it just, like, all of a sudden you're, like, you think these guys are playing on multiple levels at once. It's, like, and, you know, what I think I appreciate more as I get older is, like, how hard it is to write the perfect Tom Petty song. Whereas, like, the perfect Tom Petty song, like, wasn't something that, like, really captured my attention uh, when I was a teenager. Because it didn't, like, it didn't press my very, like, simple teenage emotional buttons right and, and i guess what i like it's like what was the other day uh, i texted you guys and said like holy shit something is like the greatest tom petty song that's ever been written but it was oh, uh,
0: I, and it wasn't jump-starting by uh, deer tick no although i did yeah, say that one, one of the point. great great petty songs <laughs>
2: Um, but it was like this, like, you know, kind of iconic or like eureka moment where I was just like, Oh my God, this is (laughs) like, like, that's what, that's what this is. Um, and it'll come to us in a second. But, um, I think what I realize about Tim in retrospect is that it's like, it's a cliche to say this, but it is much more mature songwriting. And Mm -hmm. it's like Westerberg has like truly come into his own with a, a few of these songs. And, and like, he's not afraid to just, write a kind of like aching rocker yeah now, at a really
1: young age i mean i think when you were saying he, he captures like very much i mean i don't know you know I don't well, 85 sp- I'm he, thinking- yeah they, they
2: went from 19 to 21 in this like you know yeah. what i mean it's like it's, yeah it's, right it's and, involved, and little mascara see. is
1: like a 21 year old <laughs> singing like a you know 55 year old it's like what the fuck you know it's, it's just a totally big
0: like you could hear that on a springsteen record yeah
1: totally that's what i mean it, it actually sure. has like you know it was Springsteen that you could re- that we could relate to. I could relate to you know, but like in terms yeah. of um, lyrics, and I think too though at the same time, like, and I, I don't know if it's a it, you know to me it, that they've always felt very like male you know like or just adolescent like yeah, it's teen a, it's a guy, guy. Band. yeah, um, and I'm sure there's you know I know that there's you know millions of women and, and most women I've known actually like the replacements and like especially the songs that we, everybody likes, but um but it, it's one of those bands that. I think as a teen dude just kind of speaks to you when you're sort of like questioning everything or like just, you know, um, pissed. Yeah. Just pissed. Yeah. Just sort of like, I don't like authority and it's a band. If you don't like authority that really, you know, captures that, that
0: well. That also you cheered them on. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, that's badass that they got kicked off Saturday night live. That's right. awesome. You know? Right. Which and, was a
1: time and place too, because it was, it was a more conservative music, Scene and it was a more conservative kind of environment in the eighties. You know, especially the early eighties. Yeah, it was
0: Reagan. It was, but also like um, anything I mean, you want. It, you keep saying that. Oh Spooned. yeah, yeah, that's right. It was, right. Yeah. It was anything you want, and I yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great one. But you know, it's a, when we keep talking about Westerberg. Yeah, I mean, Westerberg's in his early twenties at this point. Uh, Tommy Stinson's like, fucking
1: he's fourteen. Legal,
0: became legal to drink in like five years later. Um. Yeah, he's I mean he this band started he was like 12 or 13 years old and he was on the road. Man, yeah, you could on, never so. do
1: that today. You could never.
0: No, it's called child abuse. Yeah,
1: except for like, you know, the or the Stinson household is something out of, you know, Demon Copperhead. It, it wasn't a good place to live. <laughs> so, maybe, you know, that was his foster home, was the replacements, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it was uh I mean, that is again, you can't stress enough how Great couple boys, is by Bob Mayer. So, that is you a want to read rough it. foster home. Yeah, um, <laughs> hope you can hold your liquor, kid. Yeah, here's the <laughs> base. Hope you can hold your liquor. Um, but I, you know, I don't think he was 20 yet when this came out. I'm pretty sure he yeah. wasn't. Yeah, um, it's just crazy. crazy. I mean, I think he was the same. So, I think he's my age.
2: What should we listen to to carry to take out, to this, carry this, out? this? I think uh, here comes a regular. Yeah, and. I think that's a perfect choice. I would say um, I I am gonna listen to this uh, today, and you know I want to hear like everything that you guys have talked about. This sounds pretty exciting, actually, and and um, I'll be able to give you a little more uh, a little more of my my take on it um, next time we talk.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks. We'll uh, we'll t- take a break. We'll come back. We'll end this way we end all of them. Yeah.
3: Bound to another town And once the police made you go away And even if you're in the arms of someone's baby now I took a great
0: back to the brother 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 podcast uh we are talking replacements tim the ed stasium uh remix which is obviously jokingly going to be referred to as taylor's version um here here two four but um christian what are you listening to jeremy (laughs) i um
1: knew that was coming so i am fairly prepared i'll say um i've been i actually Watched. Uh, I haven't finished, but I'm excited to finish today. I just was tired, but I, it was really good. I started the Elephant Six doc um, last night and watched probably three quarters of it. And um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's good. It's on. I rented it on uh, uh, Amazon Prime. You may be able to get it free on something else. I don't know, but um, you know, it's it's in one of those eras that I very much kind of like was lived in and, and liked and saw all those bands live. I forget how fucking great, like, Olivia Tremor Control live was. They were one of the best bands I've ever seen live. And, um, and then at the same time, just how fucking weird and unique that scene is. It's just a, like, <clears throat> bizarre, it, it's the perfect time of, like, um, not having, like, these kids being fucking, like, you were talking about their places being isolated. I mean, Rustin, Louisiana, weirdos, it was, you know, it's way more hippie and, like, psychedelic and just these guys that really were making, you know, uh, trying to make pet sounds on four tracks and doing a fucking good job at it. And uh, so it's cool. It's, it's a really cool doc. It's it's I think you guys both love it. Um, and aside that, I've been listening to, yeah, Tim nonstop
0: since I fucking um, heard it yesterday. So, uh, Wynn, Christian, I'm going to throw a jump ball. It's funny. I, I've been looking forward to that Elephant 6 Documentary, I think for about three years now. Like, I think I heard about this. Years they have ago a lot of great Donald footage, was...
1: and uh, I didn't oh, realize Bill Doss died so long ago. Now it's crazy, but um, he's he's very was much it, in like, it. Oh five or twenty twelve. So I guess twenty twelve. But that's yeah. still like I mean, I mean it... you would think on the doc that he's alive and well. It's like crazy.
0: Yeah, that's uh, sad. Um, I have been obviously I've been listening to Tim uh, since it came out yesterday. Uh, I've been listening to. Mitski's new record, which I think is fantastic as well. I was uh, I wasn't in love with Laurel Hell as much as you know. I loved Purity too, and I loved uh, Be the Cowboy. But the um, um, the new one is is a I wouldn't even call it a return to form. She's a she's a shapeshifter. So, um, but it is a return to excellence. I'm really th- I really love that album, um, and I have been watching. A TV show called The Gold. Um, it is the second. I've heard that's good. It's the second miniseries I've seen written about the same crime. The first one was bad, or not bad, but not great. Uh, the new one is really cool. It's, um, you know, it's about a very famous British crime where these guys went in to steal a million dollars worth of foreign currency and accidentally stole 26 million dollars worth of gold. Um, it, it was. Uh, you know, it was some bumbling uh, fuck ups, kind of that um, accidentally hit the hit the did, jackpot. Did they give it to Bob Menendez? They did actually. <laughs> that, I mean, it was really funny that that happened this week because it, you know, gold bars are gold bars. It's like, oh, he's got the prop. Uh, he looks <laughs> like he got the prop kit from the gold. Um, but uh, it's what I is it really on? It's, um,
1: is it Apple or? Geez. I know you mentioned
0: it. Uh, it is on. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's on Amazon. Um, I think it's a Paramount Plus Amazon thing, but it's I think Paramount. you get Paramount yeah. Plus now through Amazon. Um, you know, there's so much consolidation.
2: You're answering the wrong. You're answering the second order question, which is where the fuck are any of these streaming channels <laughs> actually like located? <laughs> yeah, but the, well, the first answer is it's, it, it is Paramount. Paramount. I remember that because I remember thinking it was weird.
0: Yeah, it's a BBC production, obviously, but um, it's got a good cast. I mean, Dominic Cooper's in it, and Jack Loudon, the, or Loden, the guy that's you know from um, Slow Horses, um, the uh, what, Hugh Bonneville from uh, Downton Abbey, playing very against type as like a as a you know sort of weather-beaten cop. It's pretty. It's a good. It's a good cast. It's a fun story because it goes into all of the various. Um, elements of a crime like that the money laundering the repurposing of the actual gold um, you know people taking dramatic cuts because they uh, because they can because they have leverage Uh, offshore accounting banking all that shit it's actually uh, pretty well thought out so i've only seen two episodes but i still recommend it
1: and somehow i have paramount so i will
0: watch it yeah. Who knew? <laughs> you, didn't, yeah. you didn't know you made no, $70, seventy. I was going to say yeah, that. <laughs> is, uh, that was wondering where that eight dollars about was going. going. <laughs> that Elephant Six documentary. I was like uh, the other day. I was reading Ty Burr's um, Substack, which which I really enjoy. He's a great uh, film critic. But Ty Burr um, was like talking about a movie, and he's like, "It's available on Hoopla," and I'm like, "That's <laughs> not really a thing, is it?" <laughs> And he's like, yeah, it, it's actually been around since like 2012. I'm huh. like, I don't, I've never fucking heard of hoopla. I imagine that's where the Elephant Six documentary is. Yeah, if you don't want to
3: pay
2: sure 4.99. So, uh, so it occurs to me that um, I, I guess what I just started, uh, and uh, just to continue on with the theme of, um, or the pecuniary theme uh, of, of like. British, um, shows or, or books here, but I just picked up Martin Amos's money, oh. um, at your recommendation and, uh, r- r- cracked it and read the first few pages. So, um, m- more to come on that, but I'm pretty excited to read this How one. does it hold up, um, I wonder? I- I'm curious. Uh, I, I, th- I it's, yeah, I, w- I will let you know, because there are definitely some, um, and I know this is not a, like touch point that you like all that much i can't remember but brett east and ellis like less than zero um, i like that book a lot feels like pretty dated now yeah uh and i wonder if this is gonna go kind of the same route because like there's a what? certain type of like uh, but but you know what i was i was also considering the fact that um the crash of 79 somehow doesn't feel dated or i mean it does but it's just like not in a bad way um mm-hmm.
0: So it might be uh, it's of a time it's rather that, that than dated relic, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think I think the immediacy of something like less than zero that was like so, you know, breathless and and you know urgent and and its time now seems dated because it was trying to tell the story of how crazy that moment was. The money is, at least if it's if it's dated, at least it's going to be fucking funny, and it'll be. Like, and
2: you'll learn how, uh, you know, like, it, it's always interesting to me to to, um, to learn sort of the, the mundane details of, like, what, you know, the ultra elite, like, lived like in different mm-hmm. eras, right? Like, it's interesting when bride's it's Gatsby, it's interesting yeah. when it's Brideshead, it's interesting when it's this. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it, you know, it's good drama at any time. Um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm kind of psyched about that.
0: Nice. Well, you want to put a song on the, uh, put a needle on the record?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I was looking through um, the uh, the playlist, and I, I didn't see, um, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't see Staring at the Sun by TV on the Radio from their 2004 album, Desperate Youth's
0: Bloodthirsty Babes. It's not on there. Nice. It's a great song. It's a great song. should be. chair Now it is.
1: Um... Uh, man I'm gonna go with um a New Order song um off of Movement and I'm gonna go with the opening opening song on there that I had forgotten existed till I watched Carlos uh a few weeks oh. ago and they used that like just fucking super cool Peter Hook bass riff through these scenes of 70s weirdness and uh so it's called uh, Dreams Never End New Order
0: oh yeah uh, it's funny, actually, that dovetails nicely with the the recommendation I made for Gold, that it has a lot of New Order and Echoing the men in the soundtrack, which is pretty fun. Nice. Um, I'm going to go with a forgotten early 2000s, uh, what I think is a classic. I'm going to go with Black and White Town by um, Doves. Oh, yeah, that's a fun, great one.
1: What happened to those guys? They were good.
0: They're still kicking. We saw them, they, uh, one of the guys, Jimmy, uh, what's his name, was uh, played at Port Elliott when we were there, I believe. Nice. Great, right, Christian? That's right. All
1: right. Well, All right. Uh, go listen well, to thanks. Tim, and uh, we'll Fun be back. Hang.
0: Talk to you soon. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.